be interesting, be helpful, or be quiet. Welcome back to the Wild Business Growth Podcast, presented by Hippo Direct. I'm your host, Max Brandstetter, and I'm going to take the blame for us not posting an episode last week. Um, it may or may not have been because I was vacationing in Europe. You know, I, I won't say whether that's true or not, but you can go look at my European vacation photos on Instagram and see for yourself. Anyway, going forward, we're going to have a new episode every single week with an awesome guest, an awesome entrepreneur or innovator that's doing amazing things out there in the world. This week, we have Gina Shrek. She is just an absolute all-star. She's an amazing global speaker. She's an entrepreneur, author of several books. She has her own podcast, and her philosophy on bucket list items is something that's just really, really neat to see in the world in this day and age. That's all for this little intro. Let's get into the actual show. Enjoy the show. Alrighty, so we have an incredible guest this week on the Wild Business Growth Podcast. I can't really put into words how excited I am to have Gina Shrek on the show, which might be a problem because you need our words. But anyway, Gina, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for coming on the Wild. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. I'm really excited. Thank you. Thank you. So am I. And I know all of our listeners are as well. Gina, I'll, I'll say a little bit about you and then I'll tee it off to you to give sort of your background and a little bit of where you came from. Great. So Gina Shrek, not sponsored by the franchise <laughs> Shrek. <laughs> Gina Shrek is an amazing president of Social Connects. She's a multiple, multi-time entrepreneur. She's a world-renowned speaker, traveled the world, spoke at too many conferences to count. And I think I'm going to read her Twitter bio because that's the first thing I ever saw about Eugenia. I love it. CEO of Social Connects, a content marketing and social media management agency. Star emoji. I love big adventures. Sing loud in my car. She loves singing in her car. And she hates cilantro. So no, no cilantro allowed on this podcast. She's also easily distracted by shiny objects. So Gina, I just hope there's no shiny objects around. <laughs> you know, I am facing a window. So there could be a squirrel at any moment. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. But um, I think a couple other tidbits that I learned that I really I thought were really, really cool about you. One was, yeah, I, I don't know what year it was, but you sent over, you're on the cover of a magazine in a straight jacket, which is pretty yes. cool. And you know, it was really comfortable. So that could say something about <laughs> me. <laughs> there you go. All right. Gina will see, see in prison. And uh, <laughs> yeah. she's also a uh, mentioned speaker. She's also a coach at DIY Social, but we could go on and on and on. But Gina, I feel like you should introduce yourself. And can you would you mind going a little bit about kind of how you started, where you came from, and a little bit of your career and what your what's the biggest thing you're working on today? Absolutely, yeah. For you know, I've, I took the the big leap and started my business in 1995, so 24 years ago. And so there's a lot, you know, that happens and a lot of squiggling and and pivoting in 24 years. So started out in working with organizations training. So came from that training background and worked with companies in their sales and marketing teams and kind of got niched in the cable industry for I think because we lived in Denver and that cable industry was really big here those were some of our first clients and so we went around the country training all of their sales and marketing teams and it was funny because it was all about 
how to sell against satellite dish because that was brand new. Um, that tells you how old and how long I've been doing this, but no. um, went from, from training and I've gotten involved in speaking at a lot of conferences and mainly because if you're a, a female and you can speak and you are technologically savvy, it's kind of this perfect storm of, wow, you're one of a kind. Um, and so I was asked to speak at a lot of conferences and got into speaking, realized, wow, I could speak for an hour and make more than I could doing training all day. And so greed took me that way. And then social <laughs> media came on the, on the scene and I, I immediately, again, I love shiny objects. So anything new, I tended to jump in and create accounts and check them out and see what it was about. And then I realized, wow, we should be using this as a marketing tool. So started sharing that in speaking and people would come up and say, wow, this is great, but can you just do it for us? So 10 years ago, we pivoted again and revamped our whole business model to take on clients where we managed all of their digital media. So, you know, we blog for them, we do their email marketing, we do their social media management. And so, yeah, it's just been an interesting journey that, you know, you always have to just look at what, where's your business going? And it's, yeah, I'm, I'm excited that it's not stagnant because I don't like doing the same thing for very long, but we have a team of 18 people and it's fun, but it's crazy because it's 24 seven and there's never a day off in social media. So at times, yeah. It's exhausting, <laughs> but it's right. really fun. And I still speak at conferences, just not as much because it's there's a lot going on here that I need to always be kind of in the in my seat. Right. Cool. Yeah. So that's, it's fun. That's amazing, and, and it, it's it's cool how many different things you've done. Oh yeah, and and it's I mean that's the thing I always tell people is you know be comfortable being uncomfortable because as an entrepreneur I think realizing that when you're, when you're just comfortable and you stay doing the same thing for too long, you're probably being left behind because things change so rapidly. And so you just have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and always changing and feeling like, Oh my gosh, I'm in over my head again. And I bit off more than I can chew with this one, <laughs> but that's such an exciting place to be because it really causes you to grow. And that's been fun. And the, and the funny thing behind the straight jacket was people would always say, you know, she's crazy for technology and she loves technology. And so I did a photo shoot first with a straight jacket for my headshots. And then I was, um, did the speaker magazine, the national speakers association put me on the cover and they wanted to use that photo. And so that was the cover. It was, she's crazy for technology. And they did a whole piece on at that time, what I was doing in the tech world and with other speakers. And so it was really funny. Yeah, and this is the first. <laughs> this is the first straight jacket reference in the history of the wild. Yeah, exactly. So we're you're breaking history. We're setting records here. Right here. Uh, I'm sure you're. I'm sure you're wearing it right now as well. Exactly. That's why I said I'm very comfortable in it now. <laughs> <laughs> comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. Exactly. Let's speak about speaking for a little bit because why not? Yeah. Well, you know, and it's such what? a great. It's such a great marketing tool. I, I always tell entrepreneurs. You should be speaking. You should be writing. You know, every author should be a speaker. Every speaker should be an author. But I think every entrepreneur should do both because it, it, it's a great marketing tool. You're out in front of people as a thought leader and you should take your expertise. And, you know, the, the old motto in the speaker world is you speak for free until you can speak for fee. And so I was fortunate that I never had to speak for free 
to start out because I came from the training side. So, you know, I, I've never been uncomfortable speaking in front of a room. And so when people would ask me to speak for an hour, I was like, shoot, an hour, that's easy. I've been doing eight hour days. But I really think it's a great tool that everyone should put in their back pocket and get out in front of your industry in ways that you can speak and be seen as that thought leader. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious, are there any of your speaking gigs or conferences over the years that come top of mind as some of your favorites? Oh gosh. Immediately I thought of one. I just thought I would die. Um, Really? (laughs) I mean, I think some of my favorites are always when they're, when they are to the perfect audience, which is entrepreneurs. Um, I think when it's a female audience, again, I have more that I can relate because, you know, again, Mm -hmm so much of my life I bring to my stories and I think we should always be mining our life for stories. And when things happen, I have a habit of writing them down. I have a a story starter journal that I just jot down the experience I just had or something that was just going on that maybe later will become a great story to incorporate into whether it's a blog or whether it's into a keynote. So a lot of my stories had to do with, I have four kids. And so, you know, I have a, a ton of stories and I've written a few books and one of them was just strictly the stories about my family that I never wanted to really get out there. I just thought this would be a great, great legacy piece to leave behind with all the stories of lessons from my kids. And when I would keynote, people would want to buy those. They're like, do you have those? Do you have this in a book? Do you, I would, I love that story you told about the hot air balloon and, and I thought, wow, I should actually bring some of these and they would sell like crazy. So I think, I think it's kind of funny when you look at that, but the, the keynoting that I've done, um, one in particular stands out and it was a, an association of cement. It was the cement, uh, gosh, something, um, association, a huge, I was surprised how big of an association had to do with cement, but it was huge. Um, and you know, probably 2000 people in this, in this keynote and they were all over 50 and 99% of them men. So everything about my perfect audience, flip it upside down. And that's who I was speaking to. And they wanted me to talk about digital marketing. And I just thought here is an audience who doesn't even, there were people in the room who didn't have a smartphone. They still had the little clamshell phones. Right. What's a smartphone anyway? Yeah, exactly. So those to me are the disasters when you say yes to things that you just shouldn't. And, you know, I should have, when I heard, and I did hear ahead of time who the audience was and what their demographics were, I should have said, I'm not the right person, but I didn't. <laughs> I said, sure. And yeah, that, that's another lesson. You know, even in business, there are things that we know there are red flags going off that we should say no to, but because we think, oh, you know, the money's good, or I'm sure we can make this work. And then it just turns out we should have followed our gut. And yeah, <laughs> the, to me, the fun ones are when people just... I love using humor and I have so many funny stories that have happened to me that I share those stories. And so to me, the perfect audience is one that you're just like on a roll and you just know, I'm going to say this and then I'll pause because I know this is going to get the laugh. And, um, and those are just, your you're on a high at the end. You're like, and you know, you connect with everybody and it's great. Right. And um, I think after this podcast, we'll probably be sponsored by the Association of Cement. So they- <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, they're always chasing me, trying to get me to have them sponsor all my work, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was obviously a great speech. Yeah. And I know, I know you, uh, as you mentioned, you mentioned you incorporate a lot of humor and personal stories. How often do you switch up your speech versus going with the same 
stories over the years? You know, it's always different because fortunately in this industry, there's always something new and I'm not in an industry that ever stays the same. So, you know, to me, every, every time you get up to speak, it really should be, I, I, I always say, I hate bullet points. I hate slides of bullet points. Um, You know, get up and speak from your heart and get up and really deliver something that's of value to that audience and knowing who that audience is ahead of time it always changes what you're going to say. Here's how I equate it. Every story that I have is a bead. And as I go through my life, I have a box of beads and this, it's a huge box of beads. Now, over time, I polish the beads by taking them out and maybe I'll write them up and I'll, I'll edit and I'll edit and I'll edit and I'll say, doing a word count, if you have a story that's 150 words, that's one minute. If you have a story that's 300 words, that's a two-minute story. So I know I speak about 150 words per minute and knowing that when I'm speaking, I can pull out a bead that I know right here is going to be the perfect story. But over the years, what I've discovered is I can reach in my box extemporaneously because the situation, somebody says something in the audience or asks a question and I know exactly what bead to pull out. So I may use a story that happened, you know, five years ago, but at this moment I'm using it because of the way things are going versus the next time I do a keynote, I may never bring that story up again. So to me, that's the importance of collecting our stories. When we have things that happen, there's always, I'm always thinking of, wow, this would be a great example to share in customer service, or this would be a great example to share in a, you know, email marketing story, or, you know, so you just have these beads. And I think when we collect them and have them written down in, in places, you know, I, I have a little journal. I said that my story starter journal, but now I have on my computer, just stories and I'll, and then sometimes I go, wow, this would be great in a book. So Yeah, I think stories are important because in marketing, it's all about connecting with stories and people love, not only do they love stories, they love to share stories. So to me, the best story that you hear is not only one that you remember, but it's one that's retold. So when I run into someone and they go, oh my gosh, two years ago, I was in an audience and you told that story about your daughter with the, you know, whatever it was, and they'll remember the story because they've retold that story. Mm -hmm that's a powerful story. And that's a message because not only are they remembering the story, but they remember the points that were told. So I think in our marketing messages, you know, if we can incorporate stories, it, people just connect with them. And I just think data and everything else is boring. And so I'm always looking for ways to do that. And then when they're funny, it's just even better. (laughs) It's it's even better. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, there can never be too much humor in my opinion. (laughs) Um, I agree. I agree. Storytelling is super, super important. And I think that's the key with it that you mentioned right there is that a good story and a powerful story is so memorable. There's really nothing like it. And And as an entrepreneur, we use it with our team. I'm always sharing stories of, you know, things that have happened with customers in the past and how the lessons we've learned and the failures and the successes. You have to tell those in the form of a story so that people on your team remember them. And then when you're looking outward to the customers you serve, then it becomes the stories that are your case studies and, and ways that you tell those stories though, and the stories of your team and why, how did our team come together? What's the story of our company? And what's the story of why I do what I do? And those little snippets of stories, sometimes when we think of them, we're like, oh, that's not that interesting because it's still rough. So put yeah. that bead in your box and then 
start editing it and start crafting that story so that it becomes something that is usable in different parts of our business. I love that analogy, the beads. It's such, it helps me. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and I think some of your best beads, some of my favorite beads of yours are on social media, particularly Twitter. So I, <laughs> yeah. think, I think I got you with a little segue here. So yeah. social media, I know you're an early adopter on Twitter and you, yeah, you obviously have a huge influence there and are very active, have a huge network. Can you speak a little bit about what it was like being an early adopter and sort of building that Twitter community and, yeah. and also how you've seen it change over the years? Well, and it's funny because, you know, Twitter, when I first got on, people would just think you're just crazy. You know, you're doing that tweet thing. And um, I, I always said, I've been involved in things like 3D immersive technology where you're logging in as an avatar and on Twitter. And, you know, I'm the girl that when I would walk in down the hall in conferences, they would whisper and say, there's that weird girl that's involved in all those weird things like Twitter and Second Life and Protosphere. And, you know, so I was that person. But Twitter to me, the early days of Twitter, I got on there to find and connect with other brilliant people who were doing this 3D immersive technology. We had a contract with IBM. We did these trainings in this tool called Second Life, which is, I always say it's like World of Warcraft so people will get it. Like it's a, it's a <laughs> virtual world. You log in like a video game, you're an avatar. Now, I'm a woman over 50, so I never have played video games. So to me, when I logged in the first time, I thought, this is the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. This is so bizarre. How are companies, like, this is too weird for a company to be using it. So to <laughs> me, what's great is on Twitter, I just did some searches to find people that were using this tool. And all of a sudden, I found these people that were so smart and using it in ways that I had never imagined. And so to me, Twitter became this way to just connect. And that was how I saw it first. It wasn't, I didn't see it as, oh, we can now pump out all the stuff about us and <laughs> use it as a marketing tool. It was just a way to connect with people and build friendships. And, and I literally built friendships with people that then we would, in this weird way, log into a virtual environment. And then we would see each other as an avatar, but we would, you're using um, a headset. So it's like Skype or some, you know, a voice over internet. So you have a headset on, you're talking to the person and your gestures move while you're talking. So your brain is thinking, I'm getting to know this person further. Very strange. But um, so Twitter led me to then meet people in virtual spaces, which then led me to speak at conferences and meet them in person. So Twitter was that wow. first relationship tool that I saw and in the early days, that's really what people were on there for is to build relationships. And so we got to know each other and we, we chatted really personal. And, and I, again, going to the humor, I kind of have a snarkier side. So then <laughs> I started tweeting at conferences and getting in trouble because I would be, you know, oh my gosh, this person has a seven point font on their slides. And, and of course, <laughs> you know, and I would make little comments on Twitter and so early days, Twitter was just fun and it was um, connecting and building friendships. And, um, and then, we, you know, we really started seeing that it's a way to share your expertise, to get to know people. And I always say on social media, the problem people have is they forget that it's social. They just see it as media. So they broadcast um, without it being social. So on Twitter, what I love is you really can get to know people 
through small little short 140 now 280 which is awesome exchanges and i i just love it i love to me my favorite time on twitter is at night when people are social and they would there was there was a tool way back when called git glue and git glue was um where you would log on to twitter and you would check in with whatever show you were watching. So if you were watching whatever the reality shows, America's Got Talent or something, you were chatting with other people about that. And so, you know, there were so many fun ways that it was being used. And I just saw it as a, a, a great way to then brand yourself. So many people say they're an expert, but, you know, who else thinks you're an expert? Unless you're putting out content that people say, wow, this person's really got great content and expertise in this area, then only you think you're an expert. So Twitter to me was a tool early on to really brand yourself with your expertise. Oh yeah. And I know it was even, it's probably, probably more challenging these days with, with it being so popular and sort of all the content clutter out there, but it probably, it was super powerful at the start, especially. And I'm going to have to go back and look at your old tweets because the seven point font and tweets like that (laughs) cracking me up. So I want to see what else. Yeah. I, I, as a matter of fact, I even had a a pseudo, I had a a Twitter account for my dog, Bob, and it's still out there. Bob a Barker, um, (laughs) Bob Barker, Bob Barker and Bob a Barker is still, he still has a Twitter account. You could kind of see his tweets. I had a, a Twitter account called snark in the dark. And I started using that when I was at conferences so that people wouldn't know it was just me being mean. Um, <laughs> and then I always had the Gina Shrek account. And then yeah. I also have Social Connects account, which now someone on our team manages that one. But what I see that has changed is automation has come into play. Right. And when, when automation came in, then people disappeared from Twitter and just they let automation pump out content. So they lost the social. And so whenever people say, you know, I just don't feel like I get that much from Twitter, I tell them you need to come back to it. You know, be present again, even if it's a couple times during the day, be present and listen to what other people are tweeting about and comment on what they're saying and and reply to people instead of just broadcasting. So I think what's changed is, automation has made it so easy for us to just schedule all of our content and disappear. And that's true on any social platform. And when you disappear, your engagement, of course, is going to disappear because you're no longer present. And your content might be great, but it's still not as brilliant as a conversation. And I think that's where we, we need to go back to more time being present and really engaging with a person instead of just content. Yes. I love that point. You hit on one of the biggest pet peeves of mine, which is, you know, do as much automation as you need or or want to use in your, in your marketing strategies, but make sure to have that social and genuine aspect. I mean, there's so many times that I've looked at people's tweets and replies tab and there's nothing there. There's nothing. Yeah. That's a great clue. Go to anyone's Twitter account and you'll see their tweets. And then the second tab is mentions and replies. Look at that tab. Because if right. there's nothing, that tells you they're not there. Right. Yeah. It's, it's talking to a robot or a brick wall, however you want to describe it. But yeah. I, and I know, you know, just from our interactions with, uh, with the hippo and, and you, I mean, with, um, I was introduced to you through Twitter. And I know we kind of engaged back and forth a bunch of times on just right. fun little tweets back and forth. And it makes such a good impression when you actually take the time to go and message and engage with someone. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I, I'm trying now, I'm, I haven't gotten great at this yet, but I'm trying to do more video replies to people and oh, yeah. just, you know, actually a video saying, Hey Max, I just wanted to let you know, I love that tweet that you just posted about such and such because then the person's blown away. Like, wait a minute. Like, is that really you, you know? And I think those type of things, the new tools that are introduced, jump on and use them and find ways to spend some time engaging with people. Um, and I've, you know, I've, I love video. So to me, I, I think the more we can incorporate live video or video responses, it just, it brings that human element back. And people usually are so shocked that you, <laughs> you know, even on LinkedIn, when somebody connects on LinkedIn, how many people reply with a real message back to you and say, you know, it's great to connect and I look forward to learning more about you. Or most people don't ever get a reply to somebody accepting their, their connection on LinkedIn. So when you do, then people are blown away and they're like, wait, you really replied. You know, so I, I, I find little things like that, the, the connecting, start a relationship off on a good step, not on an auto message that says, <laughs> I know this might sound spammy. It's an auto message. Well, then why are you doing it? <laughs> right. I thought on those. Stop yeah. doing it then. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And that video replies, I think that's a great tactic. I think, are you familiar with Madeline Sklar? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So we, we've interacted with her a lot on the business account and right. I love all her tips right. and tricks about Twitter and all that. But um, to your point about the surprise and the impact of that. Oh, it's so good. She, I think maybe the first time we tweeted at her, maybe first or second time, she responded with a video reply and called yeah. it direct. She also had a, uh, her dog is named Max, which of course oh, I love it. was, you know, I happen to love that name. Yeah, but, yeah exactly. But yeah, it sure makes you get that a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it actually, I don't know if it still is, but it used to be the most popular dog name. So my daughter's um, name is Bailey and that's now oh, yeah. probably the most popular dog name. <laughs> right, she over, yeah. she overtook Max from the yeah. throne. She, she <laughs> reminds us of that all the time. Why did you name me a dog name? That's funny. But yeah, Madeline Scalar. I mean, her her whole thing is all about Twitter smarter, and I think that's one of the smartest thing you can do is reply directly. Now, I use a lot of images, so sometimes I'll put a fun GIF or an image. But I need to just I need to do the whole thing of doing more video, and then that requires oh, I got to get ready in the morning. <laughs> right. Yeah. And who, who wants to get ready? Oh, who wants to be video ready every day? But yeah, I need to do that. Hi, this is Greg Brandstetter, founder of Hippo Direct. Has all this wild growth talk made you hungry for some new customers? Well, here's your recipe for success. Hippo Direct can help you acquire new clients using proven methods such as postal mailings, email marketing, and targeted ads on Google, Facebook, and LinkedIn. We can even create a customized leads and prospecting database for you. So check out hippodirect.com and contact us today. So videos take a lot of creativity and that's going to take us to our next segment here. So one of the things that we cover hit on hard, hit on creatively in this wild business growth podcast is unleashing creativity. Yeah. So first question here, how does creativity play into your everyday life, whether it be personal or professionally? Oh, I see to me there, I have a huge creative side that I love. I love painting. I love drawing. Um, and I think, Sometimes we, again, I mentioned, you know, we get stuck in that sameness in our jobs that we do the same thing for so long. And it's because we're not really, I think innovation and creativity should be an everyday thing. And I think we have to constantly be reinventing ourselves. And I always say, if we don't cannibalize ourselves every day, 
and evolve into something new, someone else will cannibalize us because they want the business that we have. And so you have to constantly be recreating yourself. Now to do that, you have to put yourself in situations that are different and new. And so I love um, trying different things. And uh, last year, one of my clients actually said, I'm going to this four day painting retreat in my, uh, Mineral Point, Wisconsin, which I, I was like, I don't even know where that is. Um, and she said, I'd, I'd love for you to come with me. And I thought, four days painting? Like that seems crazy. But I said, okay, let's do it. It was the coolest. It was all mixed media art. It was something totally different for me. And it unleashed this whole new passion that I have. Of, I now have, I turned my daughter's room into a big art studio and I go in there as often as I can to just sometimes turn off the digital side of my brain and just create. And all of a sudden I start, I'll think of something. I was like, oh, this would be a great topic for a blog post. And, you know, painting kind of creates some different, um, you know, the different synapses are firing and different ideas are born. I also love going out and hiking. Um, I love, and my husband doesn't like this, but I love hiking by myself. Um, in Colorado, we have 55 mountains here that are 14,000 feet high, which is, you know, some of the tallest peaks. As a matter of fact, the tallest peak on in the continental U.S. is Mount Elbert. Um, and it's like 14,800. Wow. Not to brag. Um, yeah, not to brag. But I have, I have been on that mountain. I've climbed that one. But <laughs> I think hiking and climbing by yourself, that alone time, same thing when you go for a walk. If you can get away somewhere alone, it allows your brain to just create new ideas. And even if you're not thinking of business, you start making connections to business. And so I think it's critical in business that you have to, you have to put yourself in positions to do something different so that those creative neurons will fire, whether that's taking a dance class, whether that's taking a language class, you know, a new language or an instrument, it opens up new pathways that tie back to business. And I think it's just really important for us to do that. I'm going skydiving on Monday, um, which I've been skydiving before, but we're going again with a group of women. And one of the reasons was I felt like I'm just kind of, I, I needed a, a jump. <laughs> um, no, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I thought, you know what, let's do it. Let's get a bunch of women together and let's go skydiving. And um, so we have nine women. We're all going skydiving on uh, Monday. And so things like that, I think, put you in a position where you can then call back and say, oh, remember when I did that and it was scary or it was hard, and, um, but I did it and it was really fun. I think we need wow. to, we have to make ourselves do those things. Yeah. And is that part of your Monday morning routine? I mean, do you brush your teeth? You get up, brush your teeth and go skydiving? Yeah, exactly. Doesn't everybody do that? I thought that was, I thought I was not the only one. <laughs> I, I think so. I don't know. Uh, that may be a stretch. That may be a jump there. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> My bucket I, list is almost empty. So I have to keep, <laughs> I have to keep stretching and finding new things to put on there. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. I was thinking, I mean, a lot of those things are, are part of the bucket list, but yeah. you're, you're, you're doing so many different things in so many different areas. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I want to go back to the point real quick on alone time versus time surrounded by people, yeah. which I think is super important. Uh, I think, you know, whether you call yourself an introvert or an extrovert, I think most people these days kind of fall into the omnivert category where you just, you need some time to be really introspective and, and some alone time and you need some time to be social and uh, skydiving with your friends. Exactly. So, so do you, like, how often do you go and spend that time alone? How often do you make sure to be by yourself? 
you know, it's interesting because I'm an extreme extrovert. When you take any of those tests, I'm an ex- I'm on the extreme side, um, mm-hmm. probably scary extreme, which again goes back to the straitjacket. But um, <laughs> I do think that the older I've gotten, the more I crave being alone, which I always say, I wonder if social media has made me less social. <laughs> right. um, yep. I love quiet. Like to me, when I go and paint, what drives me nuts is people, my, my family will come up and want to sit and chat with me while I'm painting. And I'm like, no, this is like my, I need quiet time. I just need time to have my brain wander. I would say at least two or three times a week, I will go on a walk alone. And at least, you know, I, I, I try to just plan activities that are solo activities, whether it's, you know, just going, we live in the foothills area, so I can just take off out my backyard and there's little hiking trails and things. And, and there is some danger to that. I've, I have started carrying pepper spray because there's mountain lions and bears and things like that. But um, <laughs> oh my. yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. But to me, if we don't put ourselves in those places where we have quiet time, we start feeling burnout really easily. And I think as entrepreneurs, we always feel like we have to be doing, doing, going, going, going. And then when we are extroverted, we're always around people, you start frying out and burning out and you're exhausted. And, you know, we did a trip, actually it was five years ago. That's weird. Five years ago yesterday, it was August 7th, we summited um, Kilimanjaro in Africa. And, And that whole week, it was 10 days, you had no technology. I had no digital media. And that was the first time that I had unplugged to the point. No, it actually, there was another time I went on a writer's retreat in the Redwood area in California. And um, you couldn't, there was no cell service. There was nothing. But when you put yourself in those situations, it's really interesting because I was going through withdrawals. Like, oh my gosh. So I, I brought my iPad with me on Kilimanjaro to blog every night, not to broadcast it. I was just writing my experiences of the day. So I wouldn't forget them. So that was kind of, it was still quiet time. It was still my focus time, but it was, um, I, I used an iPad, which was kind of funny that I even brought that. I should have brought a, a journal and pen, but I was, um, I was kicking and screaming on that one. But I, I do think it's important for our sanity and so that we don't burn out that we create and schedule that unplugged time. Right. Yeah. The activities that you mentioned before, yeah, you know, maybe they're bucket list items, but now that you mentioned Kilimanjaro and the Redwoods with an iPad, yeah. I think you're really, you're really checking off the bucket list a little early here. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've done, I've gone scuba diving, skydiving. I've done all that. We're actually, wow. we're going to, um, in April of 2019, we are going to climb to base camp at, of Everest. Um, no way. I, I won't attempt climbing Everest because I hate cold that much, but, um, I will, (laughs) I will go to base camp. And so we're training right now for that. Yeah. My thing is why do we, you know, people collect bucket list items instead of actually living and doing them. And I was just in Napa Valley, um, a month, I guess it was last month meeting a sister that I had never met. So that's a weird story in itself, but through DNA testing, I discovered I have a whole side of my family that I never knew, met my sister for the first time. And she said to me, she's lived in Napa Valley all her life. She said, I've always wanted to go on a hot air balloon. And I said, oh my gosh, you have hot air balloons everywhere in Napa Valley. Why have you never gone? She goes, I don't know. It's just one of those bucket list items. I whipped out my phone. I booked us a a thing to go the very next morning. I said, we're going in a hot air balloon ride tomorrow morning. And, um, And I just thought, it's funny that we put things on our list and then what, what is it that makes us not do them? You know, people want to start a business. 
but they go, oh, well, you know, someday I will, someday I will. Why? Why are we waiting? Just do it. And um, I, I'm a yeah. firm believer of just do it. Yeah. And you're living proof. I mean, yeah, it's like you just have to go and just try it. And there's a lot of things, even in my business now, I want to try that are totally different from, you know, or even just slightly different new things. I always say, jump in and do it. Try it. If it fails, you can decide, do I want to tweak it and try again? Or do I, did I realize it was like, okay, that was just a really bad idea. And what did I learn from it? I, I just think right. we need to do more instead of think and plan more. Yeah. You hear the, the horror stories about people when they're, when they're older and, yeah, I wish um, I and retired that. and yeah, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have done this. And it's like, well, you can do, I mean, just do it. <laughs> yeah. I do want to talk about regrets a little bit before we get to some, uh, some, some more fun stuff to wrap up. Sure. So regrets, I mean, you're, you're kind of the opposite of this because you're living the bucket list. You're doing all these things. You, you're skydiving Monday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but is there anything still, even with all that, is there anything that comes to mind that you wish you would have done earlier or maybe it's something you wish you would have embraced earlier? Yeah. That- and it's funny that you say it because, I don't have any big life regrets, but I have little regrets like, okay, I've been wanting to start. I always get people that come to our business. Um, they come to our website. They come to me and on social media and they say, do you do any coaching? And I, I don't, I know I don't do one-on-one coaching. And for years I said, you know, I just need to launch this DIY social thing that I have in my head. And, um, and it was one of those things I never made time for it because I was busy you know, in, in business, you stay busy and you can stay busy all the time. There's always more to do than you have time. But when you have something nagging at you going, you really should do this. You should launch this product or you should launch this service or you should start doing this. Even when they're little things, we put it off because we're too busy. And I kept thinking for years, I should launch this whole coaching piece for solopreneurs who can't afford to outsource it, all their marketing to us. And I waited a long time before I took action on it. And to me, I regret that because I look at it and say, how many people could we have helped? So I think even little things, if it's important, make the time, you know, make the time. We, we say we don't have time. You'll never have time. And if you're waiting until you have time, that'll never happen. So I do, I regret little things like that. Like I, you know, I should have said yes to this one thing that we didn't do. And, and the coaching one is one that I look back and go, I, I wish I would have started this 10 years ago, you know, or f- at least five years ago. And, and I waited a long time because it just didn't seem that important. And to be honest, a lot of it was, I don't think it's going to make that much money, which was a really bad reason not to do something because I've learned a lot and met a lot of people that have then gone on and, and their businesses have grown and become great. So, you know, doing things for the right motive too um, is important. And I think I got to that point of going, I just need to do this as a way to, to help those solopreneurs who are frustrated by all the crazy social media is so complicated when you're just starting out and yet, you know, you realize, Oh, it's really not that hard if somebody just walks me through it. So yeah, I would say that's one of the regrets. I don't have any big life regrets, thankfully. Yeah. That's a go living life to the fullest. And is that the coaching that's DIY social, right? DIY social. Yeah. And we've got, you know, from a program, the video program of how do I start my Facebook page? Like I, I'm just brand new to this and late to the game. What do I do to mm-hmm. a full blown, you know, what, how do you make the decision to follow your passion when you don't even know what you're passionate about? Um, you know, video courses and then coaching, we do um, live coaching sessions and things on that. And yeah, that's a, that's been really fun. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely link out to that in the show notes. So 
Now let's go to a, a fun little segment called the Wild Business Shoutout of the Week. The Wild Business Shoutout of the Week! <laughs> so the Wild Business Shoutout of the Week. So this is something that we do frequently on the Wild Business Growth Podcast. And this is where we talk about a current, a recent creative marketing campaign that caught our attention and then chat about a little bit. Oh, fun. So, so we were chatting earlier about an email you recently received that was for deodorant, correct? Right, right, of all things. Right. So can you speak a little bit about, uh, tell us a little bit about the email and why it was so impactful for you and sort of who sent it? Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, when you're in marketing, I mean, you and I know, when you see something that's brilliant marketing, you're like, oh my gosh, this was so good. And um, and then I'm always looking at it from a holistic approach of, are they carrying that through? Is that their brand? Is that their personality? Do you see that at every touch point within that organization? So there was an email that I got um, that I first came across. It just said, there's this new deodorant out and you know, deodorant, how boring is that? But it was um, all natural deodorant. It's called native deodorant. And I just wanted to try it. And so I ordered online, just ordered one stick of this deodorant. And the email response that I got was hysterical. So I, and I actually pulled it up so I could read it to you because oh, it says, Gina, the head, the subject line, Gina, your package has shipped. And then it says, Gina, your bar of native deodorant was gently pulled by our team of experts and placed on a gold trim pillow stuffed with the finest fibers known to man. Then a team of six inspectors examined your deodorant under a magnifying glass, ensuring it was in perfect condition. Once the inspection was complete, our veteran polisher, I mean, it goes on. It's a story <laughs> of how my deodorant went from being pulled from the thing to into a box. And then it says, we hope that you had a wonderful time shopping with native in celebration. We've placed your name on our wall under the world's best customer and assigned a dedicated parking spot right up front. We've also hired a pilot to skywrite Gina rocks above the golden gate bridge. Thank you for supporting native. It, wow. <laughs> I, it was, and, and even there was an actual an email before that when I first placed the order that said that they're playing music and everyone's dancing. And as soon as they stop dancing, they'll start processing my order. Um, it was like another long story of what's happening in their warehouse because I placed an order. And I just thought it's now, again, this must be their branding personality. Although I, I think I told you this, I was kind of disappointed when I got the deodorant because there was nothing fun about the packaging. There was no fun message in the packaging. There was nothing. The fun stopped from their email. Um, right. So to huh. me, the first lesson is even email can be so spectacular that people not only want to talk about it, there's, I mean, I, not only read it, but they share it. I, I have talked about this email since the day I got it because it's an example of how brilliant you can be when you let your personality shine through your marketing messaging. And I think most of the time businesses think, well, I can't be that silly and you know, that we're B2B and, you know, maybe we're a medical practice, maybe we're a dental practice, maybe we're an attorney, maybe I'm, you know, I'm, we're serious here. Well, maybe serious doesn't have to mean complete, maybe you can weave in a little bit of your personality and find ways to bring some fun or at least a little levity into your marketing message. Because this, even though this is a B2C product, I have seen other companies that do a really great job of telling their story. HubSpot, Hootsuite, you know, they weave in and they're B to B to B products and uh, services. And yet they weave personality. They tell the stories of their employees and their team. So to me, this was a really fun one. 
I love it. Yeah, that's a great one. Thank you so much for reading that because you really, you get the full picture of it. Oh yeah, so fun. Sure. I, I, I need to drive up there and see if my parking space is still there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the parking space, I mean, the written in the sky. That exactly. would be, I mean, we got, we got to hold them to it. I mean, they, it's they, so fun. probably, they should have done that by now probably, but that's a, that's a really good example um, to kind of uh, the reverse side of that, something that I've seen recently so i started using this year um harry's razors they have oh, yeah, a yeah yeah which kind of they're kind of the cool kind of yeah anti, anti uh dollar shave club like same right. sort of approach but they've created a really really cool brand and i was impressed with it they have really really fun and cool messaging on their website and emails throughout the ordering process but when they sent their package you, you open it up and once you take the razors out and the shaving cream or whatever else you order, they have a fun little, they have their cute little uh, woolly mammoth logo that's on the bottom that has some oh, sort of like high message. They have, there's so many different little things like that. They have short, funny descriptions on them, on the product. So I think really it's important to have that full 360, you know, from the, the whole hot cycle should really incorporate right. the brand. Right. Um, and we've seen it just how powerful even an email or the physical product can be. I, and I think people underestimate the power of messaging in our marketing. Um, and this, a friend of mine, Tony Newman, she speaks on innovation and customer experience. And she always talks about the touch points. What are, you know, it's for, you have to first identify what are all the touch points and email is a huge touch point. Your, your email signature, your voicemail, your, you know, the way people are greeted when somebody walks in the door, whatever it is, identify all those touch points and then look at, are they congruent? You know, do we have, a feel in the way that we communicate at every single touch point so that it's consistent and congruent with our brand. And I just think that's so important because again, I was, I was disappointed because the emails were so amazing. So whoever does their email marketing is brilliant at native deodorant, <laughs> everything else, their website, their, their packaging that came, it, it was good, but it was, it didn't match. So I think it's a good example of what happens when it, when there's a disconnect. Okay, we're gonna get someone promoted and someone fired. <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. The person that made them in their email department needs to be promoted, definitely. They're awesome. Awesome. Cool. Uh, all right, we have a strong endorsement there. <laughs> Let's move on to something called the unusual, which is pretty Ooh. unusual. Okay. So, yeah, is your interest peaked? Yeah. So, this is about phrases, quirks, and pet peeves. So, let's actually start on the pet peeves front. What's your biggest pet peeve? And I'm not, and you can't say cilantro because you've already. <laughs> well, you know, and because I'm in digital, the digital media space, I, I think one of my pet peeves, I hate with passion people that send auto DMs as their oh, yeah. first point of contact. I just, I find that to be so spammy that it's an auto message that comes and says, you know, when you connect with someone on Twitter and it'll just say something about, you know. Uh, I don't know. Some of them just say, I have a free gift for you for connecting with me. It's like a gift to me should be chocolates or diamonds. Like a gift is not your <laughs> ebook. And, um, you know, things like that are my pet peeve. And I, I go off on tangents often on those. And my other one is the twit validation service that um, says, oh, thanks for connecting with me. Let me prove you're not a, a spammer or a robot by you going and do jumping through all these hoops. And I'm thinking, okay, you're a lazy person. You should validate yourself that I'm not a robot, why don't you try talking to me? So I disconnect from them. Those are my, my <laughs> I'll get off the soapbox quickly because I could go on on that one. <laughs> get, off, get off the gold pillow with your deodorant. Exactly. 
I'll take my deodorant and leave. Those, yeah. those are good ones, though. Those are both. I can totally relate to those. Yeah, two. it's I like don't, can't. don't, don't make your first impression be spammy. Right. The auto DMs have become way too big of a thing oh. on, on Twitter and Instagram now, especially. Yeah, it's like stop the madness. Right. Stop the madness. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one. Quirks. Any quirks about you? anything that you do or do often that most people don't do, or maybe you've been called out on it before. I mean, I, I have a ton. I can just list them off, but if there's anything that comes to mind. I mean, I, my sarcasm, I think, can get me in trouble. But um, yeah. Oh, can it? Yeah, well, you know, and I even did an email <laughs> campaign recently, and I, I said our subject line was, please unsubscribe. And I was wanting people to, I wanted people to unsubscribe if they didn't want to get our messages anymore. And so I right. put that as our subject line. And, um, and, I, and then I said, and I kind of used the native deodorant concept. I told a little story of, you know, if you, if you choose to unsubscribe, we will gather as a team and we will shed some tears. Um, but then we will put on an Adele song and we will move on. And, um, <laughs> and I put that in my email. And I actually got I a guy that. who replied to me and he said, I found that to be a, like you crossed the line that, oh, no um, yeah. And I replied back to, uh, my first response. I wanted to be snarky back, but I replied back and I just said, um, you know, I appreciate your feedback. And I said, however, my brand, I think we've lost our edge. We used to be a lot more sarcastic and fun. Yeah. And I feel like we've lost that. And so your response to me makes me remember why that I feel like it's important for our brand to stick to who we are and we attract people who want that and we'll, you know, repel people who don't find that, you know, interesting. I didn't tell right. him like you, but you know, <laughs> it's like, repel people like you. I, I didn't go, I didn't offend, you know, wasn't trying to offend him, but I was trying to say to him, I feel like as a brand, my quirkiness is what makes us different. And my um, sense of humor is what used to be really different out there. And I feel like we've gotten too oatmeal over the past couple of years that we're just, we've gotten busy and we've gotten oatmeal and bland. And so I think quirkiness, find your quirkiness and magnify it. Because I think that's what makes people attracted to you who are like that. And that's who we want. That's who you want to hang out with. Right. So it's probably not the way you were going with that question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> aside from it was kind cilantro. of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In addition to cilantro, no, no, exactly. I mean, I'm super sarcastic as well. I love. I to your point, I really think that not everyone will get, not everyone will understand the sarcasm or the quirkiness, but those that do, you know, your your community and your clients, they're probably way more loyal and way more engaged. Totally. Exactly. That's the exact point. I think we go bland because we want to attract the world instead of, and that's too hard. It's like, instead of take your personality of your brand and magnify that because you're going to attract the right people that are fun to work with and people who don't get you. I, I had one client of ours tell me that my voicemail was too, was uh, too silly and that they were worried because their corporate office was going to be calling because we were going to be working with all their franchises. And they, he was worried that it would be. Um, and I, I thought about changing it. I was like, Oh, to get the business, should I change our voicemail? And then I was like, Heck no, that's the people we want is the people who think my voicemail is hilarious and the people who don't yeah. like it, then you know what? I don't want to work with them. So yeah, be quirky and be proud of it. Cool. 
Uh, and I want to hear your voicemail right after this. Yeah, so I always tell you, you'll have to call. Don't pick up when I call next. Well, even my contact page, if you go to our website, socialconnects.com, and look at my contact page, it's different. I have a way to get a hold of us telepathically on, my, on our website. <laughs> <laughs> so it's things like that that I need to go through and say, those are touch points. Am I being consistent everywhere? Or has our content gotten so bland that it's like oatmeal without brown sugar? Right. Oh, that's so good. That's such a refreshing perspective. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> you <laughs> last thing, last part of this segment, are there any phrases that just rub you the wrong way? Oh, so like, well, I think when people say, and it's funny because I've used it, but like when they say go to the next level or level up in your business and or even the term hustle and I use that, but I feel like those are starting to really rub me the wrong way because we're, we've taken it to a point where it no longer means what we first meant it to be. Right. To level up in your business to me really should be, wait, are you doing, are you recreating um, yourself and are you reinventing yourself and what you do versus leveling up like a video game to that next level? I don't know. There's sometimes that kind of rubs me the wrong way when people say it. And then when people say you got to hustle and grind, you do have to outwork your competitor and you have to outlearn your competitor and you have to do things that they're not willing to do. But to hustle to the point now when I hear people talk about it, they're talking about don't rest, don't take care of yourself, hustle until you die. And that rubs me the wrong way because I think it, it makes some entrepreneurs feel like maybe I'm not really being successful in my business because I, I put my family first or, you know, so I, I think you I think those are the two phrases that I kind of hear being taken the wrong way now that are starting to rub me the wrong way. Yeah. It's a, it's a bummer because I know, like I know Gary Vee uses hustle like crazy and it's, oh, yeah. I think when he started using it, it's, uh, I think it, it's a very powerful word and you kind of, you sort of instantly get right. what it means, but there's so many fake entrepreneurs these days that it's like, yeah, exactly. Kind of, and kind of I think that's the key, but even Gary yeah. Vee, you know, he's willing to sacrifice things that, I'm not willing to, to do what he does. I'm not willing to do that because I have other priorities and things in my life that I want to do. Right. And to me, it's not about making so much money that I can buy a professional football team, you know, but for him, that's <laughs> You don't awesome. want to buy the Jets? Yeah, I don't want to buy the Jets. I don't even want to buy the Broncos <laughs> and I live in Colorado. Um, but I, I think it's the key of, you know, you have to find what success and define what that means to you. But if you're doing it at the expense of your own health, you know, you're not going to be around to, 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 to bring right. that to fruition. So I think we have to take the word and say, what does that mean to me to hustle? Because to me, that means I have to outlearn and outwork my competitors. And right. sometimes that's really easy to do because most people quit early and most people don't work as hard. But for some, there are some times I go, I've got to put in a little more effort for a while, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You need to outwit, outplay, outlast. Yeah. And, and even recently I realized I need to enjoy the process, the journey of out learning and out working. So I want to make sure that I'm enjoying learning all the things I'm learning. I want to put myself in situations to learn more, but I want to enjoy that. I don't want to do it just so I can make more money. I want to do, the, do it so I can really become a person that has more to give back and more to share with others and I can develop our team. And so make sure you're doing it for and enjoying doing it for the right reason. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Let's wrap up here with a little rapid fire Q and A if you're up for it. Oh, I'm up for it. It's always scary. 
Okay. Yeah, it's all it's it's horror theme. This is the, <laughs> I could do thriller. scary things. I could do scary things. <laughs> right. Um okay. okay. So we'll yeah, we'll save the horror movie questions for another. Oh one. no. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. First question, are you because I know Denver has tons to do outdoors. Yeah. But you hate the cold, so I'm curious. Oh, are you a ski? Are you a skier or snowboarder? I am. I do. I do enjoy skiing, but I'm a fair weather skier. I won't ski when it's like snowing, coming down, like blizzardy. I love see Colorado. You can ski in the sun, and that's the ideal day to me. Oh yeah. I don't what's like your, cold. I, I grew up in Hawaii, so I grew up in Hawaii, lived wow. in California, then moved to Denver. So I, I, and now I own a house in Arizona that I can escape when it's too cold here. I don't like cold. <laughs> wow, and it's definitely not cold in Arizona. No, no. <laughs> What's your favorite Denver area ski resort? Um, I would say Vail. I like Vail. It's just kind of I'm unfamiliar with it. Enjoy it. Awesome. Yeah, that's a popular one. All right. Favorite type of music? Oh, that's a hard one. Here's where I'll get laughed at. I love Yanni and Kataro and like new agey relaxing music. <laughs> I always say, okay, I'm going to come out of the closet. I am a Yanni fan. Um, but I like all kinds of music. I don't like hard rock and I don't like rap music. So, gotcha. I, oh wait, and I don't really, I'm not a big country fan. Um, everything else mm-hmm. I kind of mix and, and play. Gotcha. Okay. Anything <laughs> else you don't like? Uh, yeah. I love cilantro. Did I mention I don't no. like cilantro? <laughs> <laughs> I've been consuming cilantro this entire episode. So this <laughs> <laughs> okay back to the rap I'm, by the way i've noticed over time with this podcast that i'm really bad at asking rapid fire questions because i always get into conversation i know so i'm going to try to stick to just the questions from for the, okay. for the rest half of this all right favorite movie princess bride same I love that favorite <laughs> favorite place you've ever traveled to oh that's so hard i i would have to say it because it comes up a lot israel i did a hiking tour in israel that was amazing oh, awesome yeah. Favorite book? Oh, I don't know why, but the one that just popped in my head was, um, uh, oh gosh, now it just left. It was uh, talk, <laughs> but I read, oh, I read just business books. So it's, it's bad because I read so many business books. And I would say the one that pops in that recently it's called The Power of Moments um, by Dan and Chip Heath, I think. Power of Moments, powerful book, awesome read. Awesome. And last one. Who's the person you would say is your biggest influence? Ooh, influence. I know it's kind of corny, but I would probably say my husband. Um, Kirk, he, he has always made me believe that I was better than I thought I was. And I think <laughs> that is a powerful thing to be around people like that, that see potential in you that you don't even see. And so I always try to be like that and see the potential in people that they don't even see to believe that they can do things that they don't think they can, I think has really, um, he's inspired me to do that more. That's awesome. That's a great yeah. line. And so Kirk, we'll have yeah. you on the show next time. So you can yeah. shout out to the captain. captain shout Kirk. out to the captain. <laughs> <laughs> Live long and prosper. <laughs> awesome. All right. That was rapid fire Q and a, how was that for you? <laughs> that was not so scary. That's good. Okay. Oh, that, okay. Next time will be way scarier. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. Good. All right. I've been watching the ring all morning. Oh, right. see, I can't watch any scary movies. I cannot, cannot. I don't <laughs> like scary to me when I went and saw, um, Lord of the Rings. Oh my gosh. That was scary. 
Oh, gotcha. So you don't, <laughs> so you, don't you don't do any of that. You don't do Stranger Things or any oh, of that. Oh no, no, no. no. Why? I don't want to put not- anything in my head that's going to be come out later and scare me. No. <laughs> Feed the brain. Okay. <laughs> Feed the brain. Feed the brain. <laughs> Only good things. Yeah. You know, next time we'll next time we'll cover kids shows as well. They're a little less. <laughs> there, there's more my style. Um, <laughs> so, Gina, I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on the Wild Business Growth Podcast. It's been an amazing conversation, and there's I, I'm sure our listeners will enjoy all the different lessons and your bits of wisdoms and <laughs> quirkiness throughout the episode. But so many different stories, and you've had an awesome career already and super excited to stay connected and sort of see what you're up to next but yeah thanks, definitely thanks again, thanks again thank for coming you on so much and and uh, yeah to your listeners you know connect with me and share your stories with me i would love it and you can find me anywhere just gina shrek um, i always say you can google me or find me luckily shrek is not that common of a last name so gina shrek together uh is easy to find me but um this has been right. so much fun a fun way to spend the day um chatting with you max so thank you Thank you. And it's Shrek, S-C-H, right? Not it S-H. is, S-C-H-R-E-C-K. Right. And I love your podcast, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned it earlier. The, thank the journey, you. The journey. The journey yeah. The yeah, journey, the journey with, with Gina. Gina. Really good stuff. Well, thank you so much. Uh, the last thing I want to end with, do you have either, either a quote or a thought you want to end with? So just to get people thinking as they wrap up the episode. Oh, I would just have to say, be interesting, be helpful, or be quiet. and with that we will be quiet just kidding we're not going to be quiet for another 30 seconds or so (laughs) so that was gina shrek thank you guys so much for listening that was a ton of fun i hope you guys enjoyed the episode please if you're listening on itunes give us five stars or a rating anywhere else we appreciate the love as well uh, if any comments or questions, you can reach out to us and all of our social media accounts at Hippo Direct. This has been the Wild Business Growth Podcast presented by Hippo Direct. I hope you're inspired to jump out of an airplane. Actually, please take precaution before you do that. But I hope you're inspired to take a huge jump in your business career. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, let your business run wild. Bring on the bongos! <laughs> <laughs>